The Braille Forum, Volume 49, October 2010, Number 4, Published by the American Council of the Blind, Read by Nanette Savard in the studios of the Cutting Corporation, Bethesda, Maryland. The American Council of the Blind strives to increase the independence, security, equality of opportunity, and to improve quality of life for all blind and visually impaired people. Mitch Pomerantz, President. Melanie Brunson, Executive Director. Sharon Lovering, Editor. National Office. 2200 Wilson Boulevard, Suite 650, Arlington, Virginia, 22201. 202-467-5081. Fax 703-465-5085. Website http://www.acb.org. The Braille Forum, registered trademark, is available in Braille, large print, half-speed four-track cassette tape, data CD, and via email. Subscription requests, address changes, and items intended for publication should be sent to Sharon Lovering at the address above or via email to S-L-O-V-E-R-I-N-G at A-C-B dot org. The American Council of the Blind, registered trademark, is a membership organization made up of more than 70 state and special interest affiliates. To join, visit the A-C-B website and complete an application form or contact the national office at the number listed above. Those much-needed contributions, which are tax-deductible, can be sent to Mike Godino at the above mailing address. If you wish to remember a relative or friend, the National Office can make printed cards available for this purpose. To remember the American Council of the Blind in your last will and testament, you may include a special paragraph for that purpose. If your wishes are complex, contact the ACB National Office. Join the Monthly Monetary Support, MMS program, and help improve tomorrow today in ACB. Contact Ron Milliman by email r-m-i-l-l-i-m-a-n at i-n-s-i-g-h-t-b-b dot com or by phone at 270-782-9325 and get started making tomorrow look brighter today. To make a contribution to ACB via the Combined Federal Campaign, use this number, 11155. For the latest in legislative and governmental news, call the Washington Connection toll-free at 800-424-8666, 5 p.m. to midnight Eastern Time, or visit the Washington Connection online at http colon slash slash www.acb.org Copyright 2010 American Council of the Blind Table of Contents President's Report to the National Convention Part 2 by Mitch Pomerantz Side 1 Join us in February for the 2011 Mid-Year Meetings and Legislative Seminar by Melanie Brunson Side 1 Clinical Trial Recruitment, Side 1. Summary of Pre-Convention Board Meeting by Marcia Dresser, Side 1. 
ACB Members Discover Treasures in Phoenix, Part 1, by Sharon Lovering and Janine Stanley. Side 2. Here and There, edited by Sue Lichtenfels. Side 3. High-Tech Swap Shop. Side 3. Forum Subscription Notes. You can now get the Braille Forum by podcast. To subscribe, go to the Braille Forum page on www.acb.org. If you do not yet have a podcast client, you can download one from the Forum page. To subscribe to the Braille Forum via email, go to www.acb.org slash m-a-i-l-m-a-n slash l-i-s-t-i-n-f-o slash b-r-a-i-l-l-e-f-o-r-u-m hyphen l. Are you moving? Do you want to change your subscription? Contact Sharon Lovering in the ACB National Office, 1-800-424-8666, or via email, s-l-o-v-e-r-i-n-g at acb.org. Give her the information, and she'll take care of the changes for you. President's Report to the National Convention, Part 2, by Mitch Pomerantz. Here is the second installment of my report to the membership at our conference and convention in July. Transportation, public and otherwise, is another of our challenges and certainly critical to the kind of lives we lead. Drastic reductions in funding for public transit and paratransit services have made getting around extremely problematic in many parts of the country. Some major cities have all but eliminated non-peak hour bus service and as we know, paratransit does not operate when fixed-route service stops. So how do we get to work, or wherever it is we need to go? Over the past few years, even stepping out of our front doors has become a challenge with the advent of hybrid and electric vehicles. As you know, ACB actively advocated for passage of H.R. 734 and S.841, the Pedestrian Safety Enhancement Act. This legislation would require the Transportation Secretary to conduct a study to establish standards for minimum sound information necessary to be conveyed to blind and visually impaired pedestrians by hybrid vehicles. While both bills were attracting significant numbers of co-sponsors, their futures were still unclear. Enter Toyota and the national uproar over the safety of its automobiles. H.R. 5381 and S. 3302, the Motor Vehicle Safety Act of 2010, were introduced in May and June, respectively, and the language contained in 734 and 841 was amended into those bills. They were approved by their committees of origin and are expected to pass the House and Senate shortly. As there are some minor differences between the two versions, although not in the hybrid vehicle language, they will likely need to be reconciled in conference committee. Nonetheless, ACB and all blind people should have something to celebrate by the time Congress recesses later this year. Access to information is a broad category and one which increasingly affects every aspect of our lives. It is also the area in which ACB has seemingly been the most active since our last convention. 
It is ironic that as more of us gain access to computers and the internet, we seem to encounter greater obstacles to accessing that wonderful medium of communications, education, and just plain fun. It's that old dance: two steps forward and one and a half steps back. But we are making progress. For starters, ACB has worked with Lainey Feingold and Linda Dardarian for over 15 years to gain access to websites and to assure privacy in conducting transactions at tens of thousands of businesses around the country. By using a strategy they developed, known as structured negotiations, to achieve enhanced access to goods and services for blind and visually impaired people. Lainey and Linda have made the lives of each and every one of us that much better. As they will be speaking about their successes on Tuesday morning, I'll say no more except to ask you to give them a big ACB hand for their efforts on our behalf. In October, the judge in ACB's suit against the Social Security Administration rendered a favorable decision. One which requires SSA to provide blind and visually impaired recipients and representative payees letters and other written information in Braille and/or on CD. Subsequently, although not mandated by the judge, Social Security has indicated its willingness to provide such information in large print and audio cassette as well. ACB owes a huge thank you to our executive director Melanie Brunson, along with Arlene Mayerson, lead attorney for DREDF, the Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund, for their efforts on ACB's behalf. We've won a tremendous victory, of which we may all be extremely proud. Wednesday through Friday of this week, an attorney from DREDF will be here to assist those of you who have yet to sign up to receive accessible information from SSA. The long-awaited Treasury Department report, compiled by the consultant some of you met with at the 2008 National Convention in Louisville, was released last August. Note: 2009. In May. The Bureau of Engraving and Printing issued its notice of proposed rulemaking based on Treasury's report. ACB has serious concerns about both the report and the NPRM, and with the assistance of our attorney Jeffrey Lovitky, we are preparing comments on the latter document. As I indicated in my report last year, ACB joined with approximately 30 other organizations. In the Reading Rights Coalition to press Amazon, manufacturer of the Kindle e-book reader, to market a fully accessible device, and the Authors Guild, which directed Amazon to turn off the text-to-speech feature for a significant number of its e-book selections, to reconsider its directive. With the Kindle's menus inaccessible and the text-to-speech feature disabled for most books. The ACB Board of Directors felt that it was critical for us to become involved with this coalition effort, and in June of 2009, ACB joined with the NFB to challenge Arizona State University and indirectly a number of other universities, which chose to use the inaccessible Kindle in several of their classes. I'll say no more about these activities, as immediately following this report, we have a very special guest. Daniel Goldstein, the attorney for the Reading Rights Coalition, who will update us on its activities. 
Another significant legislative initiative involves our work to pass H.R. 3101, the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. This bill does a number of things to make cell phones, on-screen menus, and emergency notices and movies more accessible. Recently, a similar piece of legislation, S. 3304, was introduced in the Senate. While not as strong as the House bill, it seems to have legs, as they say. And last month, a hearing on 3304 was held. As was the case in 2008. ACB member and Iraq War veteran Jesse Acosta testified on our behalf. Once again, thank you, Jesse. It is our understanding that there is an excellent chance that S. 3304 will be passed, perhaps as soon as July 26th, the 20th anniversary of the passage of the ADA. ACB continues to be actively involved on the international scene as a member of the World Blind Union. Over the past several months, our energies have been focused on advocating for the free exchange of Braille materials through our participation in the World Intellectual Property Organization. Both Melanie and Eric Bridges have attended meetings in Geneva, Switzerland, to advocate for support of a treaty which would guarantee open access to copyrighted material across international borders. ACB Radio is alive and well under the able leadership of its managing director Larry Turnbull. It reaches hundreds of listeners weekly with ACB's positive message about blindness and blind people, and I encourage those of you with access to the internet to give it a listen if you've not done so already. Part three will appear in the November issue. Caption. ACB President Mitch Pomerantz presents his report to the annual conference and convention at the Phoenix Downtown Sheraton. He stands behind a lectern on the stage in front of the room. Behind him is a banner reading "American Council of the Blind." Join us in February for the 2011 Mid-Year Meetings and Legislative Seminar by Melanie Brunson. You may find it hard to believe, but 2011 will be here sooner than you think. In February of that new year, ACB will once again be holding a series of important meetings, and everyone who is interested in ACB and its legislative agenda should begin making plans to attend at least one of these meetings. When? Friday, February 25th through Tuesday, March 1st, 2011. The mid-year meeting of the ACB Board of Directors will be held on Friday, February 25th. Following the board meeting, there will be a meeting of affiliate presidents or their representatives. This will begin on Saturday, February 26th, and conclude around noon on Sunday, February 27th. The legislative seminar will begin on Sunday afternoon, February 27th, and conclude on Tuesday, March 1st. With visits to congressional offices, where the location will once again be the Holiday Inn National Airport in Arlington, Virginia, the same hotel we used last year. Room rates are $119 per night plus tax for both single and double rooms. This rate will be available beginning February 24th and runs through March 2nd. It is not too early to make your hotel reservations. Rooms can be reserved by calling either one 
800-HOLIDAY or by calling the hotel directly at 703-684-7200. When you call, be certain to mention that you are part of the American Council of the Blind, so the hotel will know to give you our room rate. There are three airports that can be used to get to the hotel, including Washington Reagan National, Dulles, and Baltimore, BWI. There is a free shuttle that runs between the hotel and Washington Reagan Airport. Additional details about registration and programs for these meetings will be made available as they are worked out, but we wanted to allow everyone plenty of time to begin making plans to join us for these meetings. ACB is beginning its 50th year as a leading advocate for people who are blind, and we are hopeful that many of you will help us set our agenda for this historic year and beyond. There will also be a new Congress in session. Your assistance is essential if we are to succeed in getting them to understand and move ACB's legislative agenda forward. Please make plans to join us. Reserve your room at the hotel early so you don't forget. Then, stay tuned for more exciting details about what will be on the agendas for each event. See you in February. Clinical Trial Recruitment Are you blind with no light perception? Do you have problems sleeping at night or trouble with daytime sleepiness? A local doctor is conducting research to evaluate a new investigational treatment for insomnia and daytime sleepiness in totally blind individuals. You may qualify if you are between 18 and 75 years of age, you are blind with no light perception, you have trouble sleeping at night, or experience daytime sleepiness. Qualified participants will receive study medication and study-related medical evaluation at no cost. If you want to participate, call 1-888-389-7033 between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. Summary of Pre-Convention Board Meeting by Marsha Dresser The ACB Board of Directors held its pre-convention board meeting on Saturday, July 10th at the Downtown Sheraton Hotel in Phoenix, Arizona. All board members were present except Cammie Vludman, who was unable to attend the convention because of work responsibilities. President Mitch Pomerantz convened the meeting at 11.15 a.m. Mountain Time. David Trott moved to adopt the meeting agenda as distributed, and Marlena Lieberg seconded. The motion carried unanimously. Trott moved, and Billie Jean Keith seconded, a motion to accept the minutes of the June teleconference. This motion also passed unanimously. In his president's report, Pomerantz said that two USC students interviewed six blind and visually impaired high school students for a film they are making called Do You Dream in Color?, he hopes that we can screen the film at the 2011 convention if it is produced. After attending the 20th anniversary celebration for the Americans with Disabilities Act in Washington, D.C. on July 26th, he and Melanie Brunson will head to Minneapolis to visit the ACB office there. In closing, 
Pomerantz thanked the five members completing terms on the board for their service. Ray Campbell and Jeff Tom are eligible for a second term. Carla Rushevel and Patrick Sheehan are rotating off the board after completing two terms. Vludman is not eligible for a second term because she moved to Virginia, where Keith resides. Campbell moved to accept the president's report, and Lieberg seconded the motion, which carried unanimously. Brunson began her executive director's report by stating that Patricia Castillo and Dina Wilson wished to convey that they enjoyed their time at ACB and appreciated the opportunity to work with and get to know ACB members and staff. She will be recruiting for Castillo's position shortly. The Social Security Administration has expanded the types of formats available for accessible statements because so many people asked for large print. The World Intellectual Property Organization is attempting to craft a treaty to allow accessible files to be shared internationally. The World Blind Union proposed the treaty, and ACB is taking a lead role in attempting to get it passed. Brunson said it was very moving to meet people in Geneva and hear their stories of how desperately they need reading material. Regarding legislation, Eric Bridges thinks that H.R. 734 and its companion bill, S. 741, the Motor Vehicle Safety Act, should both pass by the end of July. ACB's language is in both bills. The resolution thanking Apple for the iPhone has been shared with an Apple executive. The vehicle donation legislation, H.R. 571, is intended to relax IRS laws that were tightened six or seven years ago because people were taking advantage of a loophole. It has been referred to the House Ways and Means Committee. Although it has 150 bipartisan co sponsors, it will probably not go anywhere this year. The ACB resolution on health care directed the staff to make Congress aware of the specific needs of blind and visually impaired people and that these be put into any health care legislation. Unfortunately, this did not happen. Bridges will continue to bring these issues to Congress. H.R. 3101. The 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act and its Senate Companion Bill, S. 3304, have gained momentum since the members of Congress finally realized the importance of this issue. The goal is to get this legislation passed in conjunction with the 20th anniversary of the signing of the ADA, hopefully with FCC authority and provisions for the deafblind intact. Sharon Lovering reported that circulation of the Braille Forum is down in all formats except email, which is up 7.6%. The Braille edition is the highest Braille circulation magazine in the U.S. Following a short break, the meeting resumed at 1 p.m., when the board entertained bids from Columbus, Ohio, and Las Vegas, Nevada to host the 2013 and 2014 national conventions. Following these telephone presentations, Trott moved that the 2013 convention be held in Columbus and that a decision on 2014 be deferred until Rushevel checks out a last minute bid from Atlanta. The motion was seconded by Marsha Farrow and passed unanimously. 
The board will meet via conference call in mid-August to make a decision on the site of the 2014 convention. Burl Colley reported that he, Lieberg, and Artis Bazin had a very productive visit to Idaho in May. A one-day seminar will be held this fall, and monthly conference calls will be organized. Hopefully, a core group of folks from Idaho, including potential officers, will attend the 2011 convention. Gray moved that the report be accepted, and Campbell seconded. The motion carried. Next, a lengthy discussion ensued concerning ACB life memberships. Lane Waters has been able to recoup quite a bit of the outstanding money from installment payments. Billie Jean Keith made the following motion: Persons will be installed as life members of the American Council of the Blind when full payment is received. Those who voted for the motion were Dylan Lieberg, Godino, Campbell, Farrow, Garrett, Keith. Rushevel and Sheehan. Those opposed were Charlson, Gray, Colley, Tom, and Trot. Campbell will explain this new policy in an article he will write for the Braille Forum. Larry Turnbull, director of ACB Radio, reported that Mainstream now has a much better sound quality, especially during live shows. He is working on getting Treasure Trove back in house. Since he took over as director, he has added eight new broadcasters. Programs broadcast from IAAIS include Sports Illustrated, Oprah, Audiobook Review, and some content for kids. These have been very positively received. ACB Radio streamed the 60th anniversary celebration of Enchanted Hills Camp in California, which had 60 listeners. And the performance of the Ohio School for the Blind marching band at the Rose Bowl parade, which had 45 listeners. Lieberg moved to accept Turnbull's report, and Tom seconded. The motion carried. Brunson and Charlson reported that the new handbook for the board of directors should be ready shortly after the convention. Organizations that fund strategic planning will be researched. Trot moved acceptance of this report. And Lieberg seconded. The motion carried. Michael Garrett announced that, unfortunately, there is no funding for the proposed youth seminar, which was to be held in 2011. He and his committee will continue to seek funding with the goal of holding this event in 2012. Lieberg moved acceptance of this report, and Trot seconded. The motion carried. End of side one. Side two. The Braille Forum, Volume Forty Nine, October Two Thousand Ten, Number Four. This side contains ACB members discover treasures in Phoenix, Part One, by Sharon Lovering and Janine Stanley. Continuing with summary of pre-convention board meeting by Marcia Dresser. The board of directors commended Carla Rushevel for fantastic convention planning. Marjorie Beeman raised over seventy-five thousand dollars for this convention. Following a short discussion of the board of directors' email list, the meeting adjourned at five p.m. Mountain Time. ACB members discover treasures in Phoenix, Part One, by Sharon Lovering and Janine Stanley. 
The theme of this year's convention was Discover the Treasures of ACB, and those who attended found many treasures, from the tours, including one to the Grand Canyon, to the auction, from general sessions to the banquet, and in the many special interest affiliate events. Sunday. Ladies and gentlemen, I call the 49th Annual Convention of the American Council of the Blind to order, said Mitch Pomerantz. He thanked Rod Ellickson of Peoria, Arizona, for providing the pre-session entertainment. Welcome to everyone who is with us this evening, and welcome to those of you listening on ACB Radio, the voice of the blind around the world. Following the invocation, the presentation of colors, the Pledge of Allegiance, and the National Anthem, Marshall Franklin, Deputy Chief of Staff for the Mayor's Office, welcomed attendees to Phoenix. Good evening to everyone, Franklin said. On behalf of City of Phoenix Mayor Phil Gordon, our eight Phoenix City Council members, our 17,000 Phoenix City employees, and the 1.7 million residents that call Phoenix home, we welcome you to our city. She read a proclamation from the mayor and the city council stating that July 10th to 17th was American Council of the Blind Week. Ron Brooks, president of the Arizona Council of the Blind, said, We welcome you to Phoenix, and we welcome you to the great state of Arizona. He thanked Barbara McDonald and the local host committee for all their work. Following Brooks's greeting, ACB President Mitch Pomerantz gave his report. For the full text of Pomerantz's report, see the September, October, and November issues. From the President's report, the convention moved on to the topic of e-books and the Reading Rights Coalition with Daniel Goldstein, a partner of Brown, Goldstein, and Levy. The last time I was in Phoenix, I was defending Mitch's deposition and Mark Maurer's deposition back-to-back in the suit we had filed against Arizona State University over the Kindle, Goldstein said. He told his listeners that over the last 12 years, he has focused on access to digital information. In February of 2009, the NFB, the ACB, and 30 other organizations involving print disabilities got together in the Reading Rights Coalition. Why? The inability to access this huge storehouse of intellectual property that the rest of the world is coming to have at the touch of a fingertip, that's what you call a severe handicap, and that's why these groups got together, to combat it, he said. George Kersher invented the e-book in 1988 as an accessibility device, Goldstein said, and then we waited for the mainstream technology world to see it as a mainstream device. In November 2007, the first Kindle came out, and it was an immediate hit. In February 2008, Kersher, Goldstein, and several others went to visit the Kindle team to talk about access. As George eloquently put it, if you make the text talk, you will make lots and lots of money because a businessman who's uploaded the stuff he needs for his meeting on the Kindle doesn't finish on the plane, hops in his rental car, and what does he do? He switches over to the text-to-speech to finish listening to what he needs for his meeting. In February 2009, the Kindle 2 came out, and the Authors Guild and the Association of American Publishers went ape and said, you've got to turn off this text-to-speech, 
We didn't license it. We haven't agreed to it, and we're not going along with it. And Amazon called up and said, "Well, okay, we messed up because if we'd done it right, then we could say we did it for the blind, and they couldn't scream at us. But we didn't because we didn't make the menus talk. But if text-to-speech is turned off, you guys are really in bad shape, so you have to come to our defense. You can imagine the two words I wanted to say." The audience howled with laughter. By March 2010, the coalition, the Authors Guild, and the Association of American Publishers had agreed on a joint statement. The gist of which is that whenever a book is available in other than print, that version of the book must be accessible. He said. Two weeks ago, the Departments of Justice and Education released a letter to all colleges and universities, informing them that. The use of inaccessible e-book reading devices is a violation of the law, and they must not do it. We're not done, and I'm not going to leave this battle until we do. Goldstein stated, "I look forward to the day, the not too distant day, when every person in this room can get the same book at the same time and the same price as everyone else." Following Goldstein's report. Pomeranz introduced Carol Ewing Ragsdale, who presented this year's two first-timers, Kenneth Semien Sr. of Texas and Tony Ferrida of North Carolina. Pomeranz then presented this year's new life members. They are Randy Herndon of Memphis, Tennessee, Thelma Crumpler, Raleigh, North Carolina, Jane Ferrida, Burlington, North Carolina, Philo Tu, Honolulu, Hawaii. Don Thompson, Waipahu, Hawaii; Kathy Casey, Albany, New York; Mike Godino, Malvern, New York; Mildred Jackson, Norfolk, Virginia; and Christopher Bell, Roseville, Minnesota. The evening wrapped up with the first credentials report and the roll call of affiliates. Monday. Conventioneers were up bright and early for the first morning session of convention. Marjorie Beeman talked briefly about sponsors, including Wells Fargo Bank, GW Micro, Adobe Systems, and Maxi Aids. Business began with some corrections to the delegate list, the final credentials report, and the adoption of the convention standing rules and the program. John Huffman, acting chair of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee, gave the first readings of several proposed amendments. First Vice President Kim Charlson presided over the remainder of the session. She introduced Cindy Van Winkle, chair of the awards committee, and Paul Edwards, chair of the board of publications, to present various awards. Van Winkle thanked the awards committee members for all their hard work. She presented the Affiliate Growth Award to the South Dakota Association of the Blind, which had an 81.8 percent increase in their membership this year. Accepting the award was Keith Bundy, who said, "We had struggled a few years with membership numbers, and we have seen this increase. And we're going to be talking a little more about it on Thursday at the membership meeting." Edwards thanked the BOP members for all their work. We have three awards to give away this morning, and each of them is a little bit different," he said. He presented the Vernon Henley Media Award to the ACB of Texas. For the creation of a Texas-specific public service video promoting white cane safety throughout the state, 
Edwards next talked about Hollis Liggett and the award that's named after him. The ability to speak freely is at the heart of what we in ACB represent, he stated. So it is our pleasure to present the Hollis Liggett Award to a publication that is produced by an affiliate that meets extremely high standards of quality. And the winner is June Horst and the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind. I am speechless, June Horst said. I took on this job 17 years ago when it was a four-page newsletter. It now is anywhere from 80 to 90 pages. Thank you, Board of Publications. The final BOP award was the Ned E. Freeman Award. There were five or six articles, any of which could have won, Edwards stated. The one that in fact did win is an article that all of us on the Board of Publications thought was extremely well-written, contained an immense amount of good information for our folks, and essentially was an article about employment. This year, the award went to Lisa Brooks for her article titled, How Forgiveness Got Me a Job. Ron, you dirty dog, Lisa Brooks said. She hadn't known about the award, but her husband did. It's a privilege to be up here, and such an honor that an experience that happened to me could turn into something that hopefully could help someone else. The convention next turned its focus to discovering some of Arizona's treasures, with help from Alice Duckworth, outreach coordinator of the Arizona Capitol Museum in Phoenix. I work for one of the treasures of Arizona, she stated. You start talking about things like gold, silver, diamonds, peridot, turquoise. You get off on that, and people think that that's the real treasure. Uh-uh. Treasure is people, and people mean stories. Following a few stories, Charlson introduced Carrie Ann Eiffel, Deputy President of the Senate in Barbados and Secretary of the Caribbean Council for the Blind, CCB. It is indeed a privilege, an honor. It's a thrill to be here, she said. I told somebody last week that coming to the ACB conference was like going to Disney World for a blind person. Eiffel described her country as having coral white sands, turquoise waters, and warmed by year-round sunshine. Its population is 270,000. 13,142 of those are individuals with disabilities. Throughout all the Caribbean islands, the blindness population is 1%, low vision at 3%. Major causes of blindness include cataracts, childhood blindness, diabetic retinopathy, and glaucoma. CCB runs a number of programs and initiatives, including development of a degree program at the University of Guyana, eyeglass distribution, and information technology training. The Barbados Association for the Blind and Deaf, BABD, is the oldest of three organizations involved in blindness activities. It was established in 1957. It hosts the sheltered workshop and runs the rehabilitation program. Workers cane chairs and make mops and brooms. Some are enrolled in the new information technology program, learning how to do basic keyboarding and work with basic computer programs. The association also has some somewhat antiquated notions about blindness, she said. Up until about four years ago, the office of president could not be held by a blind person. That has changed. 
The organization now has its second blind president. BABD has set up a bus pass program. Regular riders pay one dollar fifty cents to take the bus anywhere in Barbados. If you're over sixty-five, you ride for free. Association members receive bus passes that cover the fares. Barbados also has a blind cricket team going. She called the regional cricket tournament one of the best representations of the blindness community working with mainstream society, because cricket is such a binding reality across the Caribbean nations. Blindness is a challenge, she concluded. Being blind is not what we do. Being blind is who we are. Therefore, we have to find the best ways to not only live with it, but to teach the world around us how to adapt to suit our needs. She quipped that if anyone wanted to find her, she'd be checking out the exhibit hall. After the break, the convention heard from Kathy Martinez, Assistant Secretary, Office of Disability Employment Policy. Martinez complimented Hilda Solis, Secretary of the Department of Labor. She has truly got our issues. She has our back, and when she says "good jobs for everybody," she means everybody, including those of us with disabilities. Martinez mentioned meeting with Melanie Brunson and Eric Bridges about possible collaboration between ODEP and ACB. We are still not doing enough together, in my opinion," she said. There's still a lot we could be doing, and a lot of it has to do with improving accessibility of technology in the government. We at Labor realize that we have to set an example for the rest of the government, and really try to make our processes as accessible as possible. She told her listeners about an upcoming notice of proposed rulemaking. In it, there are a number of questions that we would like for groups to respond to. She said. In particular, I would recommend that you focus on the questions around information and communication technology, because we have to get contractors to understand that everything is being automated, including applications online, and many of those processes are inaccessible for us. This is a real critical rule that we need you to respond to. She stressed the importance of technology. The tremendous advance of technology, both in the workplace and in our homes, has become in many ways the great equalizer, and in other ways the great unequalizer for folks with disabilities who are job seekers or who wish to move ahead in their professions. She said. Following Martinez's presentation, Charlson introduced the panel on specialized rehabilitation services for the blind. Ed House, manager of Arizona Services for the Blind, Visually Impaired, and Deaf, introduced the panelists. Michael Gandy, director of the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation for the Blind in Mississippi. Pat Cannon, director of the Michigan Commission for the Blind. Linda Mock, administrator of the Oregon Commission for the Blind, and Greg Trapp, executive director of the New Mexico Commission for the Blind. Gandy spoke first. Mississippi Services for the Blind began in 1920, became a separate commission in 1928, and a separate state agency in 1975. In 1991, blindness rehabilitation joined general vocational rehabilitation. Our consumer groups pressed our executive director to work with our state personnel board to create what we are now. 
which is basically an agency within an agency. One thing that has helped with communication between consumers and the state agency, Gandhi said, is that he has joined both consumer groups. It's hard, even when you disagree on issues, to be mad at somebody when you've shared a pizza with them or sat next to them at a business meeting, he said. Speaking of pizza, the newest innovation in Mississippi's Randolph Shepard program has been partnerships with fast food chains. For many years, vendors operated a grill in the University of Mississippi Medical Center. The vendors there recently partnered with Subway, and that has made a tremendous difference. He encouraged his listeners to try working with name brand partners in their locations. Pat Cannon talked about what's going on in Michigan, including the funds the state has received from the federal government for rehabilitation programs. He mentioned several things that Michigan is doing with those funds. One of the things that we have noticed with our clients over the past several years is that they still have enormous difficulty getting their first job, he said. As we talk to employers, they say, we'd like to give this person a chance, but they've never held a job before. Michigan has created an internship program to give experience to those who are nearly job ready. The next panelist was Linda Mock. Oregon has had a separate agency for the blind since about 1920. In the 70s, the structure of our commission board was changed to become a consumer controlled agency, she said. The board's seven members are appointed by the governor and approved by the commission. And always include an ACB representative. A majority are legally blind. In May 2009, the Oregon governor announced that he would be eliminating a number of boards and commissions in order to streamline and save money. And on that list was the Oregon Commission for the Blind, she said. Mock got a call from somebody listening to the speech online informing her of this development. She got several more calls about it before attending a meeting with the governor's representative. When I met with the policy advisor, she said, Have you heard the news? And I said, I have. Mock and her staff wrote and sent out an action alert. The response to me was really overwhelming, she said. People wrote letters. I got copied on a lot of those letters, which were very moving testimonials of the impact of the services that blind individuals had received from our agency and the difference that it made in their lives. People were visiting the governor's office and the legislature, pleading the Oregon Commission's case. Within a couple of weeks, I was getting calls from the legislative committee saying, Okay, why don't you call off all these people? I said, Well, I can't really call off anybody until you've made your decision, because the decision does rest with you. You have to understand that the blind community is passionate about this in our state. Oregon got a happy ending full funding for the Commission for the Blind. Greg Trapp discussed the situation in New Mexico. You've heard this morning many of the functions and programs and services that we provide. These are significantly at stake during these times of economic crisis and state budget deficits, he said. Several years ago, there was an effort to consolidate his state's Commission for the Blind. ACB and NFB joined forces and appeared at a meeting of the Governor's Commission on Disability. It was that presence, that forceful voice, that kept my agency from being consolidated, he stated. 
However, given the current financial situation, he expects there to be another effort to consolidate state agencies. He asked ACB and its New Mexico chapter for their support and advocacy. Trapp talked about quiet cars, the danger they present, and how to mitigate risks to pedestrians, cyclists, and others. One recommendation from the New Mexico Quiet Car Task Force is that all new and used hybrid cars be sold with a warning tag and a waiver that the buyer would have to sign, informing him of the risks of these quiet cars. The task force also recommends a similar procedure for those renting hybrid cars. House wrapped up the discussion by stressing the importance of ACB members staying informed, involved, and advocating for the services they want. Following a brief question and answer session, Oral Miller talked about the recreation zone and activities that would be going on there, including rowing and water aerobics. The session wrapped up with announcements. Tuesday. Convention business began with the nominating committee report given by Judy Cannon. John Huffman gave first readings of proposed amendments. Eric Bridges ended the convention business with a call to action on pending legislation that would be heard before the Senate on July 15th. Second Vice President Brenda Dillon presided over the remainder of the session. She introduced Laney Feingold to discuss the partnership with ACB on structured negotiation. Feingold's theme was structured negotiation depends on me. Talking ATMs, accessible pedestrian signals, and point-of-sale devices are just a few of the successes achieved by ACB and Feingold's firm over the past 16 years of cooperation. The newest initiative is access to confidential healthcare information. ACB is working with the American Cancer Society on access to its information. Access to prescription information is also ongoing. Other efforts underway include access to audio description at all movie theaters and access to airline kiosks and websites. Feingold reminded everyone that structured negotiation is a collaborative effort unless the companies fail to work with us. Then her firm and ACB are prepared to take legal action. She encouraged everyone to contact her about access to information in any context. People can also request email updates at her website, http://www.lflegal.com. Gems of Education sparkled next as Scholarship Committee Chair Patty Slobby introduced the 2010 ACB scholarship recipients. Sandy Summers, Ohio; Carlos Vaeza, Maine. Brooke Jostad, Texas; David Black, California; Lisa Johnson, Minnesota; Rose Martin, Pennsylvania; Carrie Jonas, New York; Laura Glowacki, Illinois; Casey Burkhart, Pennsylvania; Mona Minkara, Florida; Spencer Stewart, Massachusetts; Michael Byington, Kansas; Reba Landry, Pennsylvania. Sarah Conrad, Michigan; Marion Body, Georgia; Benjamin Manning, Massachusetts; Sarah Minkara, Massachusetts.
Kathy Schmidt Whitaker presented the scholarships awarded by the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International (CCLVI). This year's recipients were Tiffany Swish of Michigan, Mindy Cook of Ohio, and Ivan Garris of Pennsylvania. Following the scholarship presentations, conventioners heard from Sam Bagenstas, Principal Deputy Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights, U.S. Department of Justice. 2010 marks the 20th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act (ADA), and Bagenstas talked about the past 20 years of civil rights history. He noted that his department must win back the trust of people in the civil rights field. And that he is encouraged to have an energetic staff of both career and new employees ready to enforce the ADA. Bagenstos stated that one of his main areas of focus is access to technology for people with disabilities. The Amazon Kindle case is significant in that it clearly states that universities will not be able to use inaccessible technology. If such technology as the Kindle is made accessible. It can provide equal access to information in real time for all students, but especially those with visual impairments. Access to testing is another important area on which the Civil Rights Division is working. Goods and services provided over the internet are also covered by the ADA. Bagenstos has testified before Congress that DOJ is firmly committed to this fact. And that typically only small changes need to be made in websites to make them fully accessible. DOJ is also planning more rulemaking and enforcement of video description for all movie theaters. Public transportation access issues have been addressed, particularly in a recent case in Jackson, Mississippi. Access to businesses for people using service animals continues to be an issue. And Bagenstos assured us that his office is aggressively pursuing these cases. He noted that they are working hard to have the updated regulations to the ADA approved by the anniversary. The Department of Justice has done a good job over the past 20 years of offering technical assistance to businesses and state and local governments on the ADA. They will continue to offer this assistance. Bagenstos noted that if such entities refuse to comply, he and his division are fully prepared to take legal action and seek extensive remedies. He needs our help to learn about emerging issues. People may contact him via email: s a m u e l dot b a g e n s t o s at u s d o j dot gov. DOJ representatives are also available Monday through Friday on the ADA hotline, one eight hundred five one four zero one zero three. End of side two, side three, the Braille Forum, Volume Forty Nine, October two thousand ten, Number Four. This side contains here and there, edited by Sue Lichtenfels. High Tech Swap Shop. Continuing with, ACB members discover treasures in Phoenix, Part One, by Sharon Lovering and Janine Stanley. Showing us the many facets of the National Library Service were Director Frank Kurt Silke and Foreign Language Librarian David Fernandez Barial.
200,000 digital talking book players are now in the hands of library patrons around the country. There are approximately 20,000 digital titles now on the BARD website, with 2,000 titles added per year. Approximately 19,000 of the 22,000 cassette titles will be converted to the digital format. Finally, work will take place on the long-playing records to give access to the complete collection. Fernandez Barrial explained his job at NLS in acquiring audio and Braille material in languages other than English. He noted that NLS has reestablished a flow of Spanish titles into the digital collection. Maintaining a balance of interests within these titles can be difficult. The top five languages in the NLS collection are Spanish, 2,290, audio, 798, Braille, French, 682, audio, 465, Braille, Ukrainian, 931 total, German, 822 total, and Russian, 555 total. The foreign language collections of NLS contain nearly 9,500 titles in 65 languages. In a foreign language preference survey of participating libraries, 3% of patrons show interest in foreign language titles. Emerging languages of interest include Chinese, Vietnamese, Cambodian, Laotian, and indigenous languages. Spain's ONCE has granted NLS permission to make its five-volume The Blind in History available to patrons. Fernandez Barrial is very excited about this seminal work being part of the collection. Work is ongoing to secure rights for English translation. Exchange of other foreign language materials, such as serials in Arabic and children's literature in Chinese, will be available. Some Braille publications are also being converted to digital format to share, along with web Braille files with other libraries around the world. Fernandez Barrial has taken part in international discussions of copyright law as it relates to special materials. His view for the future includes a Spanish portal for the website and information on the NLS main pages in a variety of foreign languages about its programs. He encouraged anyone with questions to contact him via email at dafe at loc.gov or via phone at 202-707-0611. The morning session ended with a look at ACB's Audio Description Project, ADP, from Joel Snyder, the project's director. During the project's second annual conference, attendees reviewed the final national guidelines for audio description and discussed a certification process for describers. Eleven countries were represented at this year's conference. Other highlights included a presentation on how blind people can be involved in the audio description process from production to review. Awards to be presented this year include the Margaret Fansteel Memorial Achievement Award for Research and Development and the Barry Levine Memorial Award for Career Achievement. Winners of the Young Described Film Critic Award will also be honored. The United Nations worked with ADP to describe a film about employment for people with disabilities. 
Snyder announced that ADP is also working with Art Education for the Blind of New York on an audio-described tour of the White House. Efforts continue to pass HR 3101 and S 3304 to provide mandated audio description on broadcast television. ACB is also applying for several grants from the Department of Education for audio description of educational programming. These grants totaled could provide one million dollars per year for the next five years to produce such programming. Snyder encouraged people to visit the new website. http colon slash slash www.acb.org slash adp, which features a list of all known audio described movies on DVD. His email address is j s n y d e r at acb.org, and phone is two zero two four six seven five zero eight three. Watch for part two of this article in the November issue. Captions. All photos in this issue copyright 2010 by Starlight Photo. Dan Goldstein tells the convention about the formation of the Reading Rights Coalition. June Horst accepts the Hollis K. Liggett Braille Free Press Award. I'm speechless, she says. To her right is Paul Edwards. Chairman of the Board of Publications, Carrie Ann Eiffel describes Barbados's white sand beaches, turquoise waters, and year-round sunshine. Kathy Martinez talks about the progress the government has made in making things accessible for blind people, and discusses possible collaboration with ACB. The scholarship winners and committee members pause for a picture. Top row, left to right. Lisa Johnson, Michael Garrett, Rebecca Bridges, Patty Slobby, Sandy Summers, Sarah Conrad, Reba Landry, Richard Rueda, Michael Gravitt, Don Coors, Mitch Pomerantz. Bottom row, left to right, Rose Martin, Michael Byington, Carrie Jonas, Kathy Schmidt Whitaker, Marion Body, Brooke Jostad. Laura Glowacki, Mona Minkara. Here and there, edited by Sue Lichtenfels. The announcement of products and services in this column does not represent an endorsement by the American Council of the Blind, its officers, or staff. Listings are free of charge for the benefit of our readers. The Braille Forum cannot be held responsible for the reliability of the products and services mentioned. To submit items for this column, send a message to info at acb dot org, or phone the national office at one eight hundred four two four eight six 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 and leave a message in Sharon Lovering's mailbox. Information must be received at least two months ahead of publication date. Ski for Light Week accepting applications. You are invited to attend the 36th annual Ski for Light International Week. It is open to blind and visually impaired recreational cross-country skiers, beginner to advanced. Sighted instructors, guides will help you learn the skills and techniques. It will be held January 30th to February 6th, 2011. 
in the Rocky Mountains at Snow Mountain Ranch in Granby, Colorado. Rooms can accommodate from one to four people. Packages start at $500 per person. Prices include all meals, round-trip transportation between the Denver airport and the resort, and trail fees. Skis, boots, and poles will be provided free to first-time participants. Partial stipends based on financial need are available for first-timers. The application deadline is November 1st, 2010. Visit the SFL website, www.sfl.org, to learn more and to submit your application. For more information, contact Bob Hart at hartb11 at comcast.net or 703-845-3436 or Linda Boose at lboose at up.net or 906-3436. Three seven zero seven five four one. Call for fellowship applications. The National Leadership Consortium in Sensory Disabilities (NLCSD) is now accepting fellowship applications from individuals pursuing a doctoral degree in the sensory impairment field. The program begins in the fall of 2011, but applications are due by December 31, 2010. Applicants must be pursuing their doctoral work either in the deaf-blind, deaf-hard of hearing, or blind, visually impaired programs at one of the consortium's 25 member universities. The application and additional information are available at www.salus.edu/nlcsd/index. HTML. Solution for Hadley students. Hadley offers a new assignment submission line for its students who do not have computer access or who cannot write their assignments. Students can call an 800 number and record their work onto the instructor's mailbox. For more information, visit www.hadley.edu. New Style Backpack. The Back Tea Pack is an ergonomically designed bag for school and travel. Unlike a regular backpack with all the weight on the back, the Back Tea Pack is actually two shoulder bags that join across the back. While still allowing the hands to be free, the weight is more evenly distributed to aid balance and posture. The design allows immediate access to the contents even when seated. The back tea pack is endorsed by the American Physical Therapy Association. Each standard side bag measures 13 by 13 by 3 and contains various pockets. For more information, contact Marilyn M. Von Furster at 503-365-7554 or visit www.backtpack.com. dot com. Update on service dog eye exams. This past May, ACVO Marial sponsored the National Service Dog Eye Exam event. A record-breaking number of service dogs received free eye exams by veterinary ophthalmologists. 
Due to the overwhelmingly positive response, plans are already in the works for next year. Additional information about this project is available at www.acvoeyeexam.org. Resource for Tandem Biking The U.S. Blind Tandem Bikers Connection offers a website where tandem riders who are blind, stokers, can find sighted tandem pilots in their area. When you visit www.bicyclingblind.org, you must create a free profile in order to begin the search. Stokers need not have their own bike to get started. The site also includes links to blind tandem clubs around the country, listings of tandem events, and news about blind bicyclists. For additional information, contact christine at b-i-c-y-c-l-i-n-g-b-l-i-n-d dot org, r-o-c-k-t-h-e-b-i-k-e at u-s F-A-M-I-L-Y dot net or call 512-419-1372. Tennis Instruction for the Blind Tennis Unlimited offers a method to aid tennis instructors in teaching the game to people who are blind or visually impaired. The website shows instructors how to teach various racket swings and court movements using verbal feedback. For a game, there is no ball and no opposing player. The instructor calls out instructions to the visually impaired player as if they were playing each point for real. Players get an exercise workout just like a regular game. To learn more about this new activity, visit www.tennisunlimited.org or call 845 406 4623. New staff at OSERS. In August, the Office of Special Education and Rehabilitative Services, OSERS, hired two disability leaders in high ranking positions. Sue Swenson, with extensive experience in family support, inclusion, and transition, now serves as OSERS Deputy Assistant Secretary. Melody Musgrove, who has a long history in special education and program evaluation, is the new director of the Office of Special Education Programs, OSEP. Pebble Portable Magnifier Enhanced Vision has released Pebble 4.3, an updated version of its handheld portable magnifier. The device includes a 4.3-inch LCD screen, 2x to 10x magnification, 28 viewing options for optimal contrast, freeze frame capability, built-in light source, foldable handle, and over two hours of battery life. The Pebble comes with reusable batteries, carrying case, and a two-year warranty. For more information, visit www.enhancedvision.com or call one 888 8113161 New web-based Kurzweil software
Kurzweil Educational Systems has recently released Kurzweil 3000 version 12 for Windows Web License Edition. This edition includes all the features of version 12, but with the ability to access the software from any internet-connected computer. The additional features include web-based file storage for access whenever needed, and personalized account profiles that save individualized user settings. The basic Kurzweil 3000 version 12 for Windows is also available in standalone and network editions, with a USB version to be released this fall. To learn more about Kurzweil products, visit www.kurzweil.edu.com. New programs at Jewish Guild. The Jewish Guild for the Blind's National Telesupport Network. Now has a new support group for parents of children who are both autistic and visually impaired. It aims to help parents navigate a system where advice and resources are not easy to find. The group is sponsored in part by the Reader's Digest Partners for Sight Foundation. For information about the telephone support groups, contact Dan Callahan at two one two seven six nine seven eight one five. In May. Guild students participated in Touch Graphics Incorporated's research and development trials of the Wii Cane. The Wii Cane is a system for promoting proper use of the white cane in orientation and mobility among young children. It is based on Wii video game hardware. A Wii remote is mounted to a white cane, and the camera on the device tracks the position of lights along an overhead strip. It connects to a computer via Bluetooth radio and sends audio and vibratory feedback to the student's headphones and to the motor in the Wii remote. Some students showed marked improvement after just three sessions. New Windows tutorial. National Braille Press now has available Windows 7 and Vista Explained, a guide for blind and partially sighted users. By Dr. Sarah Morley Wilkins and Steve Griffiths, this is a step-by-step -step guide on the newest Microsoft systems. It starts with the basics and guides users through topics such as file management, troubleshooting, and using the internet. The book is available to users in the U.S. and Canada only. Formats include hard copy Braille, five volumes, electronic Braille, audio CD, large print. And multimedia CD. The CD includes an e-Braille file to print one hard copy, an HTML-formatted document, and a DAISY audio file, including DAISY Player. Each format costs forty-five dollars. Also available are tactile or large print computer screen layouts for twenty-eight dollars. For more information, call one eight hundred five four eight seven three two three. Or visit www.nbp.org/ic/nbp/publicationz.html. High Tech Swap Shop for sale. Optilec Clearview CCTV with black and white and color 17-inch monitor, barely used, comes with manual and setup guide. 
asking $350. Contact Linda Williams at 812-849-2106. For sale, recently refurbished Perkins Brailer. Comes with dust cover, asking $300 and will ship via free matter for the blind. Call Bobby Reed at 724-438-0124 or email him breed49 at h-o-t-m-a-i-l dot com. For sale, Alva BC640 with audio feature pack. Two-year warranty as of June 2010, asking $5,000. Call Jean at 518-452-1237 for more information. For sale, Packmate BX with 20-cell Braille display. It has all the features and accessories one would need for a conventional pocket PC, asking $2,999 plus shipping. Contact Judith Lung via email, J-U-D-I-T-H-H-I-N at G-M-A-I-L dot com. For sale, Kurzweil NFB Reader. Asking $300 or will trade for an iPhone. Contact Joe at 803-238-7498 or email him J-D-U-N-H-A-M-4 at sc.rr.com. For sale, Packmate Omni comes with everything, still in original box, asking $2,000. Contact Desmond Delgadillo at 562-652-3415. For sale, Packmate laptop computer in excellent condition. Price negotiable. Call Lucia at 646-486-1649 between 7 and 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. For sale. Enclosure for a Romeo Braille embosser. Comes with fan and power cord. Asking $400 or best offer. Contact Andrea Judici at d-a-w-g-m-a-w-m at gmail.com or 860-719-8612. For sale, Onyx 17 Desk Set Portable Video Magnifier by Freedom Scientific. Offers Distance Document Self-Views. Comes with rolling cart, all documentation and cords, asking $1,500. Trekker Breeze Talking GPS in excellent condition with one more year on the warranty, asking $600. Contact L-A-U-R-A-O at T-S-O-F-T dot com. Wanted. Slough Halliton is looking to purchase a high-quality five-string banjo, either open back or resonator, American-made preferred. Please contact him either via email at slau at m-i-n-d-s-p-r-i-n-g dot com or by phone at 718-932-3660. Wanted. 
DoubleTalk LT External Synthesizer in Excellent Physical, Cosmetic, and Working Condition. Contact Don Rasavi Jr. via email at djrisavyjr at cox.net or via phone at 850-457-8131, home, or 850-208-1923, cell. Wanted. Easy-to-use multi-track tape recorder, like Fostec, that can be used to record music. Contact Walter Chavira at 661-343-4828 or email him w-a-l-t-e-r-c-h-a-v-i-r-a at e-a-r-t-h-l-i-n-k dot net. Wanted. Seeking donation of Victor Reader Wave that already has a book key to play RFB&D CDs. Also seeking electric braille writer and paper in good condition. Contact Isaac Grunden, 140 Santa Clara Circle, Hemet, California, 92543. Phone 951-260-6545 or 951-765-1122. Wanted. JAWS Software. Contact Douglas Bacon at 517-393-2040. Wanted. Donation of Perkins Brailler for School in Ecuador. Contact Zully Alvarado at 773-447-8500 or send email to info at c-a-u-s-e-s-f-o-r-c-h-a-n-g-e dot org. ACB Officers. President. Mitch Pomerantz, 1115 Cordova Street, number 402, Pasadena, California, 91106. First Vice President, Kim Charlson, 57 Grandview Avenue, Watertown, Massachusetts, 02472. Second Vice President, Brenda Dillon, 313 Overridge Cove, Hermitage, Tennessee, 37076. Secretary, Marlena Lieberg, 632 South 189th Street, Burien, Washington, 98148. Treasurer, Mike Godino, 104 Till Rose Avenue, Malvern, New York, 11565-2024. Immediate Past President, Christopher Gray, 94 Ramona Avenue, San Francisco, California. 94103 ACB Board of Directors Ray Campbell, Glen Ellen, Illinois Burl Colley, Lacey, Washington Janet Dickelman, St. Paul, Minnesota Marcia Farrow, Somerville, Georgia Michael Garrett, Missouri City, Texas George Holliday, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania Billy Jean Keith, Arlington, Virginia Alan Peterson Horace, North Dakota. Jeff Tom, Sacramento, California. David Trott, Talladega, Alabama. Ex officio, 
Janine Stanley, Columbus, Ohio. Board of Publications Paul Edwards, Chairman, Miami, Florida. Marsha Dresser, Reading, Massachusetts. Judy Jackson, San Antonio, Texas. Janine Stanley, Columbus, Ohio. Ken Stewart, Warwick, New York. Ex officio, Ron Milliman, Bowling Green, Kentucky. End of side three.